Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start. Let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life. Different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too. Because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush. Plagues. Exodus out of slavery in the Ten Commandments. Woo! This gives me the collywobbles just thinking about it. We are now in Exodus chapter 16. Chapter 15 was they finished crossing, actually 14 and 15, they finished crossing at the bottom of the Red Sea. Uh, it was very interesting. The Gulf of Aqaba. Wonderful, wonderful episode. I hope everybody had time to take a look at those uh, couple of documentaries. Uh, they're just to get our get our minds flowing with this. Uh, in the very end of chapter 15, there was uh, something about the bitter waters of Mara. They were made sweet. Unfortunately, Susanna was not able to join us that time, but she does have a couple of things to add to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we're doing this little review because honestly, I feel like the uh, this section should kind of even be going into the next chapter because there are two spiritual concepts. Like he's providing water you know, and he's providing manna, and manna was a very spiritual food, so it's like, why do we think that the water, you know, isn't also a very, like, spiritual concept, and not just, like, literal? Um, they could not drink the water from Mara because it was bitter. If you were to look at that literal Hebrew word for word, what that would actually translate to would be because they were bitter. So saying, like, they could not drink from Mara, the water from Mara, because the people were bitter. <laughs> and obviously, you know, the waters were probably bitter, but it's like Hebrew always writes things in a certain way, often having double meanings. They were traveling through the wilderness for three days. After all that had happened, you can tell that they're frustrated and they're angry and that they're their hearts are bitter because they're grumbling and complaining against Moses. They're not they're not turning to Moses and saying, pray on our behalf that this amazing God that just did this thing, you know, bring us out of Egypt would, you know, transform this water for us to drink. Instead, they complained and they, that's just how our human hearts work. So then Moses cries out and he shows him a tree. The word for shows him a tree is he instructed him a tree. So it's like actually the same word what's known as the Torah, which is God's instructions. So right. he's saying, I'm in, I'm Torahing you a tree. I'm instructing you a tree. They're spiritually deprived. You know, they've been in the wilderness and they, they, they know who this God guy is and they know that he did something amazing for them, but, but they don't have all the spiritual knowledge of him because they basically just met him. You know, they had been in Egypt worshiping Egyptian gods all this time, very spiritually thirsty. And then what do we need in our life? You know, we need to know God better. We need his instructions. We need his character. We need his things. And then our bitter hearts are turned sweet. In verse 25, it kind of melds this together. 
It says, so he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. Uh, when he cast it into the waters, the waters became sweet. And then it continues on. And he says, there he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them. And then he goes on and, and to, get, God gives them a, a huge, huge promise. And he says, if you diligently heed the voice of your God and do what is right in his sight, uh, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases on you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So, I mean, you can kind of see that there's an obvious depiction here of God is trying to instruct them to, to some degree. Right. right. And, you know, and it's also obvious that the focus point of this is the the people and not the water, because he doesn't say, you know, if you do all this that I'm teaching you, I'm going to clean your water forever and you're not going to have bitter water. You know, he's like, I will be your healer and I will, you know, I will take care of you. Yeah. So Exodus chapter 16. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which that's capitalized, so it's obviously the name of a place, uh, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Okay, so it's talking about the 15th day of the second month. So when was, pa when was Passover done? Was it on the, on the second month or the first month? And what day? So that right now they're day 15 in month two. On the sixth. Where did you find that it's the second month now? This one just is said, just said in chapter 16, oh, it said. The 15th day of the second month. Yeah. Okay. 15th day of the second month. So have they already been, already been traveling for a month? I On guess the 10th so. day of this month. Because yeah. chapter 12. Okay. So chapter 12 says, now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. This is verse one. Uh, in the land, in, in land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. So this is the first month. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month shall be the shall you take a take for himself a lamb according Okay, so the beginning of the Passover was the first month of the year, day ten. Right. And then but then when they left you know, they had to travel, who knows, does it say how long to even get to the Red Sea? I don't think so. I think this is the next, this is like the next real marker of time. Right. Well, because then, oh, yeah, we know. But I just think, like, if that started 15th through the month, it makes sense. Like, we know that they camped at the Sukkoth place. We know they camped yep. at Mara yep. for three, you know, we know it took them three days to get there. And then they went to Elim. So it's like, that makes sense. that they stayed at each of those places, multiple days, like we'd be into the next month. And in the Jewish calendar, each month, I believe had exactly 30 days. Am I correct? Yeah. It was with the lunar moon. Yeah. Cycle. Okay. So, so in other words, to sum this up, so they've been, so if they left on the first month, 10th day, and so far, it's the second month, 15th day. They've been traveling for 35 days so far. Well, they left the first month on the... the 11th day. No, on like the 15th or 16th day. Because they brought the lamb to their house on the 10th, but it was in their house for four days. Oh, you're right. That's right. They had on, to... Yeah. And then on the 14th is when they slaughtered it. Um but then it was technically the 15th because the Hebrew day starts in the evening, you know, yep. at, 
at evening is when they put it on their doorpost and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because so it's the 15th it was, day officially. And they're yeah, supposed so to eat fully clothed and with their right. rod in their hand and ready to go. Right, so they were ready to go. and then The invention of fast food. I'm sure it was like during the day on the 15th, like the next what we would say the next day they said you know the same day but okay during the daylight hours of the 15th when they left so it would have been like exactly a month from them leaving right so it's they're they've been traveling for 30 days two and a half million people well roughly okay so verse two then the whole congregation of the children of israel complained against moses and aaron in the wilderness and the children of israel said to them Oh, that we had died in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat. I know there's some of these are called flesh pots, by the way. It just sounds so gross. And when, so, okay, so what was it? Like a big, like 55 gallon drum just filled with leftover meat? I think that, I think that it's being like uh, analogical. Like they're saying they had everything they wanted there. They sat around pots of meat. They had all their food they wanted. They, they're hungry. They're, they're complaining. And they said that when they were in Egypt, they were just surrounded by food. They, they didn't go without. Right. Because then it says, and when we ate bread, we ate it to the full for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill us. This whole assembly with hunger. Verse four. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, but I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather today. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, at evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? Also Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Ooh, man. See, that's a meme right there. <laughs> There's everyone. And that's, I feel like that's so similar to what Jesus says when he says, like, take my yoke and learn from me. You know, he doesn't just drop everything he expects from his people on them all at once. Like, first, all he says is, trust in my teachings and I will, you know, make your water sweet and I will heal you. And then he says, you know, he gives them the, the bread and he, you know, he says he's training them on how to, how to rest and how to observe the Sabbath. And it's just like one little, one little thing at a time. Yeah. Right in verse four, it says that I may test them. We need to be tested and humbled, but through that, that testing and through those things that, you know, those trials, we, we should be learning and we should be humbled so that we, we accept what God has to give us. You know, if they weren't humbled, they probably would have been like, I don't want this bread. I am going to go back to Egypt and get the other stuff. You know, what's funny about this, though, that they're, mind you, this time they didn't threaten to go back to Egypt. They just said we had it better there. What Egypt at this point would they have had to go back to? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> like their entire army's destroyed. All of the all of their or almost all their flocks, all of their harvest was destroyed. They, there's not much of a master to go back to when it comes to Egypt. Like re, there really isn't. And, and at this point, there is no way back. Right. Because... They they would have had to have gone all the way back around the Sinai Peninsula because they just cut through the the Aqaba, uh, Gulf of Aqaba. Yep. So there there wouldn't even been a way for them to go back across the sea from whence they came. They just are now at God's mercy. So, all right, we're here. We have to believe in you because, well, we have to believe in you. If we don't, we're going to die. <laughs> okay, so verse 9. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, saying, Say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness and behold the glory of the lord appeared in the cloud and the apparently the cloud was lit up uh, verse 11 and the lord spoke to moses saying i have heard the complaints of the children of israel speak to them saying at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall fill with bread and you shall know that i am the lord your god Cheeseburger. So, cheeseburger. Actually, that, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Except for I, it was more like a a, a, a grilled quail. A turkey burger. Yeah, turkey, turkey burger. burger. Uh, so it was that quail came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground so when the children of israel saw it they said to one another what is it for they did not know what it was that i find that kind of funny so okay so so it was that quail came up at evening and covered the camp so did they like spring up out of the ground or was this something prepared of god that a flock of quail just flew in or was this some other kind? Like, well, what kind of thing do you envision with this? Because, like, even in some of the some of the plagues that happened in Egypt was, you know, he threw dust in the in the air, or he, you know, scattered ashes into the wind, and it turned into lice. Or there was a very strong. What was that one? There was a very strong eastwardly wind that blew in all night long, and then finally in the morning, a whole bunch of locusts flew in. Right. So, was this one very similar to that? I, I could picture it like a uh, a migratory pattern. So, like the the birds are just coming through. And there's cornflakes all over the ground, so they got cornflakes and quail. And it's just, I think that they still have to kill them. I don't think that they're just like falling dead from the skies. No, no. I no. think that that there's right. enough quail for them to catch. Well, when I think of quail, I think of them being more of a ground bird. They are. I think they are more of like a prairie. I know they fly, but I think aren't they called? Are they called grouse? Right. Were they I like? Don't know. No, there, there's there is grouse and there's quail. Um, oh. Quail. You'll see quail running in like straight lines with their families. You know they. Right, right, right. Okay. And the 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 grouse, you'll hear them thumping, and then they, when you flush them, they're really loud and they're big birds. Quail are really small birds. So can quail fly? 
they can, much like a turkey. Like they can fly short distances. You know. Yeah, because I, I know they turkey built for aerodynamics. Yeah, I, I know uh, turkey, and I found this one out the hard way. They can fly. I, I was there was a whole flock. There was like sixty of them in front of me. And me and my friends went out there with coats. We were gonna catch one. And we went, we ran after them all, like we were being as quiet as we could, but obviously ran after them with our coats and we opened up our coats and all of a sudden, boom, 60 birds just flew into the air. We did not know they could fly. We turned around, hightailed it back to the car, screaming, they can fly, they can fly. You're not flying, that's just falling with style. (laughs) So the rest of verse 15, so it was when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's needs. One omer for each person according to the number of the persons. Let every man take for his house who are in the tent. An omer. Do you know what an omer is? (gasps) I used to know. (sighs) In my version Bible app. Go for it. I had a little little three dots, and I clicked on it, and it says uh, that is possibly about three pounds or 1.4 kilograms. Also, it's uh, referenced in verses 18, 32, 33, and 36. So about three pounds of meat. Uh, I don't think it's the meat. So about three pounds of I think it's, food? yeah, I don't think it's, it's talking about the stuff on the ground, because he said, because Moses starts You're off. You're right, they're talking about he the He says, yeah, yeah, he says, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Oh, man. So about how much is it? How much did you say? Three pounds or 1.4 kilograms. Three pounds or 1.4 kilograms. Three pounds. Three pounds per person. That's a lot. Three is Okay, so if you may, if it was three pounds, let's say it was flour, okay, to make bread, because later on he talks about making stuff out of it. Three pounds of flour. Is that a lot? Uh, I think so, yeah. <laughs> for one person? I mean, maybe it just was very dense. It had, maybe since it came from the sky, it had gathered a lot of, a lot of water. Oh, yeah. Well. It said it was along the, along the ground, like uh, crusty, like a, like a frost. Yeah, it, was, it said it was similar to a frost. Well, let's keep reading, see if we can flesh out some of these details. Uh, verse 17, Then the children of Israel did so and gathered... Some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's needs. And Moses said, Let no one leave any of it till morning. Not without standing, they did not heed Moses. But some of them left part of it until morning and it bred worms and stank and Moses was angry with them so they gathered it every morning every man according to its need and when the sun became hot it melted and I like how yours says worms and mine says maggots it filled with maggots and we started to stink does either make it any better Tom <laughs> Well, I, you know, you can you can eat a worm, but you know, I guess you could eat a maggot too. But it's it, it's it's easier you could you know, it's easier to eat a worm than it is to eat a maggot. Uh, Tom, no, e- neither of them are easy to yeah. eat. Disagree. They would both be just as bad. 
Outside of the the crunchy head that a maggot might have. <laughs> well, you can roast the maggots, <laughs> and it's like little rice cakes. <laughs> okay. Even the worm you can slow roast over a fire. Oh man, they no. have quail now. They don't need worm meat. Uh, okay, so verse twenty-two. Let's skip over that part. <laughs> and so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said tomorrow. It is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil today and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up until morning as Moses commanded. And it did not stink, nor... Were there any worms in it? Then Moses said, Eat that today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today will not find it in the field. You will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. I guess, well, I guess 27. Yeah, 27 just continues the same story. So verse 27. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather. But they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long do I refuse to keep my how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. <laughs> Yeah, I un- I understand God's frustration. It's like these are pretty simple instructions He's giving, and it's like you people, you people can't even listen and do a single thing right. It it's sad though. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I I don't want to uh, I don't want to tear down the children of Israel too much because we do the same type of thing though. We'll read something in Scripture and then not seriously take it to heart in in the exact same way. So it will be kind of well, right. This is this honestly like shows God's patience to me because He still keeps giving them more chances. Like He knows, you know, they mess it up, but then they get it right. They finally get it right in verse thirty. You know, so it's like okay, it might take a little bit. This is a training process. You know, you are being trained and honed and cleansed and sanctified and all these things. It doesn't have to happen overnight. He's not expecting you to you know, totally convert and just know everything instantly or know what you should and shouldn't do. Like, yeah, God did set them up earlier just to reiterate the word he, God used tested, which same, same type of thing, training, understanding, growing. Like it's that, it's that, you know, when I, and this is the test that God's trying to do. If, if I'm understanding this correctly is to trust him is to rely on him. Right. It's like when we take a test, it's like we, we study and we learn a bunch of stuff in school and then we take a test on it. And then you, you you see what you did well on the test and you see what you didn't do well on the test. And then they're like, OK, we need to hit this stuff that you didn't do very well on again. And I think that's really indicative here also is, uh, you know, us listening to the convictions of the Holy Spirit, being able and willing to listen to the small, still voice or that still small voice and, and uh, adhering to it's it's urgings or or leading in teachings. 
churches will say, or people will say, people in the church will say, well, the Ten Commandments were done away with, or the Ten Commandments came into be when Moses pulled them from the mountain. But, well, hold on. God was talking about these commandments before they left Egypt. But my point is, is even the Sabbath was established, reestablished, I should say, reestablished back in Egypt when Moses said, you need to start taking a day off. Because remember, Pharaoh got ticked off about it because God was trying to reestablish these things that Israel lost for so long. But even here, it's talking about God's commandments and God's laws and God's statutes and these these things that God is is reestablishing with Israel or trying to maybe maybe I can't even say reestablish. I would say solidify with them. It's like God has already explained this up to this point and they're not even they they don't even have the the 10 commandments yet. It's not like God surprised them with the 10 commandments. No, the 10 commandments was just a physical version of what God was already, in in your words, Susanna, training them through the wilderness as they were getting to Mount Sinai. And the only reason I say this is because some of the arguments, um, like when it comes to the Sabbath day and and the establishment of it, they say, well, the Sabbath day was was established uh, because of the, or during the Ten Commandments. Well, it was actually established in Genesis. It was actually established all the way back then, Genesis one, chapter one, and it talks about how God rested. And then it was reestablished here to say, hey, listen, you're going to gather your stuff for six days. And on, this, on the sixth day, you're going to take double. You're going to double your work. And then on the seventh day, it's a rest. And God even says this here. It's a rest that I am giving you. It's a Sabbath rest I'm giving you. It's just, it's interesting that as Christians, we kind of want a specific way for doctrine or understanding to be. So in our own minds, we try to come up with ways to to justify different things and we all do this you know we all only we all understand the bible in a very specific way or just life in a very specific way god's commandments they were established long before he codified them and put them on a tablet and handed it to moses psalm 103:7 says you know that god revealed his character to moses and his ways to the people of israel so even though you know, they may not have been written down until that point. This is God's character. This is his image. These are his ways. This is what he would do. Like, what would Jesus do? What would God do? These are what he would do. Right. All of those things are, are loving and they're all, they're all, they're, it's all freedom and really good. So if you're looking at it as something you need to be freed from, I think you're looking at it the wrong way. And that's giving God a bad character you're saying that he's something you need to be freed from or something, you know? Right. <laughs> I, I've, I've heard it asked before, and I, I thought this was awesome. They said, uh, uh, somebody asked the question to me. He said, Justin, what do you, what would a world be like if every human being on planet Earth followed all Ten Commandments? Uh, heaven? And they're like, yeah, exactly. If all of us just naturally followed all ten of them, it would be heaven on Earth. Like. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and we'll see later in Exodus, I think, I don't, it might be a lot later, but you know, where Moses is, I think it's right before he gives the 10 commandments or maybe he gives the 10, but it's before he gives more. Or it's like after he gives the 10, but before he gives more. And he's like, you sh you've shown us so much grace and you've shown us so much of yourself by what you've taught us. 
show us more of yourself, show us more <laughs> because of your grace, show us more, you know, and then they go on and he's like, okay, I'll show you more, you know, like, so it's all, it's all just him revealing himself. And, you know, we should want to get to know him and we should want to like have that revealed to us as well because he's eternal. So, you know, he, he hasn't changed. It's just, you know, he maybe waited until a certain time to reveal different. And we see that in scripture with him revealing his names. Like he, all throughout the Old Testament, you know, his different names are revealed in certain situations that reveal a completely different aspect of his character. He didn't just develop that aspect of his character right then in that moment. He's showing it to the people then, you know? So it's like, he's shown us so much of himself but yeah like when he is named whatever means like a strong tower or my defense or my things you know it's not like he wasn't your defender before but now he's showing <laughs> you you know yeah <laughs> chapter 16 verse 31 and the house of israel called its name manna and it was like white coriander seed and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey then Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it and be kept for your generations that they may see the bread which I feed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses, and, and Moses said to Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer of manna in it and lay it up before the Lord to, keep, to be kept for your generation. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up bef uh, before the testimony, capital T, ooh, to be kept. And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is one-tenth of an ephah. That, that's interesting. Is it, I mean, and th this blows my mind because several episodes ago, we've said before that the people in the lands surrounding these people obviously knew something was up. And I think the primary reason is because of this manna. Because think about it. These people for the last 40 years have been walking around the wilderness and not just walking around the wilderness, but water coming out from out of the ground miraculously. They were always watered, always fed. They always, you know, went around picking up the, the, this bread in the morning and quail walking right into their camp where they could just go down, pick it up, bridge it, you know, cook it up and eat it. You know, like all these miraculous things would have happened. And I think those two things would have been the most like defying things, I guess, to and, and most amazing things. It kind of astonishes me, and this is kind of like a spoiler alert. Uh, Israel goes to war at some point. Another nation tries to attack them. Why would another nation try to attack them when they could see these miracles happening to them every single day? It just, I, I don't know. In my mind, I think, wow, you guys must have been really arrogant to, to think that you could take on a God that can do this for them every day for the last 40 years. I mean, think about that. That is thousands of instances. Like, just do this very simple math. 40 years, 360 days a year. That's a lot. 
That's thousands of times when God was doing miracles. Well, actually, not 360 days. It would be a lot less because on the Sabbath day, he didn't. So, like, to solidify the, the holiness of the Sabbath day, he, he never dropped the manna from heaven. From reading this, is this saying that the, um, the manna that was put into the jar is where they now got the manna from for the rest of the time? Because it said to put the manna in the jar for years to come. They stored that in a jar, and then when they, when they um, made the ark, they actually put that manna into the Ark of the Covenant. So it was like they gathered it into the jar the one time, and they sealed the jar, and that specific manna never went bad, and they kept it as a testament, you know, but they didn't eat that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it does say, the verse does say, to be kept for your generations, but it wasn't to eat. It was, it was meant to, to be a, a symbol. And then it, it was brought into the land, you know, so when, when they weren't in the wilderness anymore and manna wasn't falling from heaven anymore, they had that in the Ark of the Covenant as, like, proof of what happened. It astounds me because I remember the moment when I realized, somebody actually had to point it out to me, that the manna fell from heaven. Like, when I'm a kid and I'm reading this story, as, as a little kid or being told this story, it sounds like it happened once. It seriously did. It sounds like it happened for a week and then it was over. And then when you actually put the whole thing together, you realize, uh, no, this actually happened for 40 years that God took care of them, took care of them in a very, in a, in a powerful, powerful way. Right. Um, yeah. And I guess just to like cross-reference with, another verse where it talks about this in Deuteronomy 8, 3, it says, you know, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So it's like, this goes back to what we were saying that, you know, he's proving a spiritual point too. Like he's feeding them the physical bread, but the lesson is, that, you know, it's not my physical bread that's going to sustain you. It's, it's, it's my instructions. It's what I'm teaching you. It's, it's every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what you'll live on. And Jesus quotes this same verse later. And then he quotes that in Matthew. And then he says in John, you know, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. And I am that bread, you know, like he's like, I'm the bread that fell from heaven. He's giving his teachings and his instructions. And he's like, come for me and eat, eat for me, basically, you know, and ah, like that's right. life. And he references the water from the well, too, which I feel like goes back to the water at Mara. You know, it's like, come to God and come to me and let me transform this, this water and this bread into eternal life. If you listen and if you take heed. Well, I'll go ahead and close this out in word of prayer. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you for this time once again, and we thank you for your holy word. I pray, Father, that you will uh, help this to be uh, something powerful that we can share with somebody else. Uh, later on, please send us somebody this week that we can share this with, and that, uh, Father, we gain those who, who are listening and, and, and watching this. I pray, that Lord, that they'll gain a better understanding and better wisdom of who you are in your character. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this is Justin. This is Tom. This is Susanna. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. We will talk to you again next time. Now listen, just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, 
Just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. We also want to make sure we give a shout out to one of our co-hosts, Joe, who's a host on BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. We kind of lost Tom. This is Tom. (laughs) I'll probably have to chop something and put it in there. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most of them probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you.